Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Monday to you all. I'm so excited and glad to see your bright and shining faces, whether you're watching here on the YouTube video or checking out our podcasts. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for Daily Devotions through Redeeming Life Fellowship. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name is Dan. I'm a teaching pastor here and excited that you're with us right here at the finish line of our journey through the book of Acts. So today we're going to be in Acts 28. We're going to be covering the entire chapter. And as we're uh, closing up this historical book that's uh, where Luke is showing us uh, what life in the early church was like, what happens when uh, people, uh, when God gets a hold of them, and they become instruments in the hands of God to bring about his salvation and renewal and restoration and hope to uh, humankind. Uh, that the vision of what God wants to do through the church to be able to bring salvation to the ends of the earth, by golly, like Acts is where it happens. And it also ponders us, or ponders, it encourages us to ponder rather, about uh, when we're asking this question, not just what is the church, but who is the church? And what role does God want me to play in this thing that he created? Uh, this thing that uh, was birthed out of the power of the Holy Spirit as a gift on Pentecost, that uh, all of this is something so much bigger than, uh, than mere rules, mere uh, religion, uh, mere morals, mere philosophies, uh, even just mere social movements and uh, mere history. Uh, this is about something that God himself has done. Uh, in the same way that uh, God has brought about his purposes through Jesus Christ, he has brought about his purposes through the this thing called the church. And he invites you and he invites me to be a part of it. And uh, all as we've been going through Acts, it's been kind of this journey where we're discovering uh, a lot of what what all that is and what that's about. And so uh, with that, uh, I can't remember if I introduced myself. Yes, I'm Dan. I'm a teaching pastor here. I've got a, uh, a mug here that says, proves it so. So here we go. I've got my coffee and we're ready to jump into Acts chapter 28. And I want to give you a few things to meditate on as we're reading through Acts chapter 28. And I want you to think, maybe, uh, entertain this curious thought with me for a moment. Uh, do you remember reading maybe books as a, as a child and maybe uh, occasionally reading something like Dr. Seuss and uh, his famous book, Oh, the Places You'll Go? I can't believe I actually have an Oh, the Places You'll Go mug, and I really should have brought it here with me. And I didn't, and so that was that was my fault. But it's uh, uh, fun poems uh, throughout the entire book that, that get us thinking about the places we'll go, the adventures we'll have, and that uh, sometimes they're going to be pleasant, other times not so pleasant. Uh, but there also are going to be coming su certain surprises in that uh, the places that we go are never going to be quite exactly as we expected them. And, uh, and I wonder, sometimes I do wonder, what, uh, what would happen if we took the book of Acts and uh, tailored it to the themes of 
of Dr. Seuss and Oh, the Places You'll Go. Because I'll tell you, uh, where we are in chapter 28, or what, you'll, what you'll see here is something that blows the minds and stretches the, 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 the limits of the imagination about what Paul would have expected in the places he'd, he would go with his life and certainly doing the things that he's doing. Uh, it would stretch the imagination of Peter, uh, the head of the, 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 the disciples, and what God would be doing and be able to, to bring about salvation to the ends of the earth. Uh, and I'll tell you also, you know, I, I wonder when we're reading this passage, if anything like this would have ever crossed Mary's mind. Because remember, Luke acts, the Gospel of Luke and Acts constitute one story. Luke is wanting to show us how it is that the work of God in the lives of Zechariah and uh, and Elizabeth and uh, and the the Immaculate Conception in Mary's womb that when she heard the news that this was these things were going to take place, did she ever have any idea that the thing that was beginning in her womb would be the sort of thing that, though it would start there, it would lead to the good news of the salvation of a living God for all the nations that would be reaching the city of Rome, uh, the capital of the oppressors uh, over the Jewish people, that uh, the promise that that when she heard this that she would she would praise God that he has um, exalted the humble and lowered the proud that these sorts of things they're happening right here in history and that they began right in her womb at the work of the Holy Spirit um, and the incarnation and the 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 infleshing of the, the of, of the presence of God among us. Uh, that that sort of thing has happened and has led to something like this. It's, I doubt if Mary, if she could have ever possibly imagined something like it is that we're about to read and that this is what God would do through someone like her. And the last thing I want us to think about with this is that, uh, Again, one of the things that we're going to see is that Paul is not going to miss an opportunity to minister, even if that means that he's just survived a shipwreck and is ashore on this island called Malta. And uh, he's making the best of each of the opportunities that God is bringing to him. And, and I'm inclined to believe that, that, you know, God, in his mercy and in his grace, would allow something like a shipwreck uh, in order to get somebody like Paul on the island so that he could be a minister of God's grace and his word and his healing and his power and his presence among those people. That, uh, that God in his kindness would allow uh, a shipwreck to happen in order, if that's what it takes to be able to bring somebody like Paul to these people. And... And the thing that I also want us to remember and to reflect, even as we're thinking about all that we've read on Acts, is this. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, goes where people take it. And it changes people's lives 
where it goes to seed. The truth of the matter is that somebody has to take it. Somebody has to sow the seed. Somebody has to be the person who, who is willing and who is, has the sort of tenacity and the courage and the gift of the Holy Spirit within them to say, Lord, I want to be a part of what you want to do in this world. And I'm going to play the part that you have for me. And if that means being a carrier of this good news and taking it wherever it is that you lead me, and sometimes it will be rejected, sometimes it will be received, it may mean persecution, it may mean uh, uh, warm reception, and it may mean going to seed and changing people's lives and communities and families from the inside out. It may mean that. It also may mean my death. Uh, if the gospel is worth my life, then, uh, Lord, let me be the person who you've made a part of your church to just participate in the things that you're doing to bring about your salvation, your rescue, your life uh, for a people who you died for. Uh, that's all of what's happening, I guess, suppose here in, in Acts 28. And so with that in mind, I just want you to, to ponder some of these things as we're reading through Acts 28 and leading up to the point where uh, Paul is in Rome and he uh, is still awaiting a trial, a hearing before Caesar himself, which we don't actually know whether or not uh, he ever actually had uh, a trial or a hearing to hear out his case uh, when he appealed to Caesar. We don't know that. Uh, but uh, what we do know is that by the time that Paul arrived in uh, in Rome, that there were already Christians there who warmly received him. There were also a lot of Jews there who weren't rather unsure about what to make of this whole Christian thing and who Jesus is. And when he goes, that he goes as an ambassador and tries to win over his the the, the fellow his fellow Jews. And even when a good many of them resist, uh, he knows that it's just time to move on and to. Uh, bring the good news of the gospel to the Gentiles. And I'll tell you, if the seed of the gospel is the sort of thing that gets planted in people's hearts and it transforms them and transforms not only people but families uh, and neighborhoods and communities and cities and regions, um, whole empires even, that what we have as a gift of the Judeo-Christian influence in Western civilization, it's happening because of what we're seeing Paul do right here and now. And so we should not take that for granted. But let's take a few minutes and read through Acts 28 and see what God is doing as he, uh, how, how, how the gospel is spreading wherever it is that he's going, even as he's crawling to the shores on a ship from a shipwreck. So here we go. Acts 28, beginning in verse 1. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and, as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, 
They said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. What a, a, a swift jump from somebody who is uh, a murderer to being hailed as a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Well, Paul went in to see him and, after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium, and the next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Puteoli. That's a fun one. Gosh. There, we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me, because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their eyes, and they have closed, or they hardly hear with their ears, excuse me, 
and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is how Luke's, Luke Acts concludes. And I'll tell you, uh, I owe an immeasurable debt to somebody like Paul, who was willing to do the things that he did that have made an influence um, on my life uh, because uh, he was willing to take God's call upon his life seriously. And what's also interesting, what's so exciting, I love about the book of Acts, is that it is filled, filled with ordinary people who God did extraordinary things through. And that gives me hope to know that, one, that my life is valuable in the sight of God and that he's able to do things in and through me that I could never do on my own. And that uh, relieves me from a lot of anxiety uh, because I don't feel like I have to do something or to, to, to be somebody in order for God to use me. Um, God takes nobodies and turns them to somebodies. Uh, and... Uh, and he does wonderful things through them. And that the, the impact that the early church would have on the ancient world uh, doesn't rest squarely on the shoulders of Paul. But it rests, squarely, <laughs> rests on, on the whole church, which includes people like you and me, who God wants to use in order to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to people's lives so that wherever it goes to seed, by the grace of God, uh, he's going to be able to do things that, that we, we could just never have never imagined. And that excites me. That gives me encouragement. It gives me hope that if we're uh, a part of what God's doing here, that must mean that he's not done with Columbia City yet. He's not done with Whitley County yet. He's not done with Huntington uh, Huntington County, or the city of Huntington. He's not done with that YMCA. He still has work to do in and through you and me, and he invites each and every one of us to take a part of it. And I pray, I pray that you would heed God's call upon your life uh, so that um, whether that's uh, going to China or just crossing the street, um, that God will, will use you in profound and amazing ways. Uh, and so to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'll be looking forward to seeing all of you for our introduction to the epistles tomorrow uh, with the introduction to Romans and our survey over Romans chapter one tomorrow, which will be really exciting. But until then, God bless you. Take care. Uh, enjoy your beverage of choice today. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.